Well, good morning, New Life. Good so great to be here. I'm really glad to be with you, whether you're online, on Facebook, or newlife.nyc, or on YouTube, or whether you're here in the building. Uh, it's our pleasure to be here. The first time I came to visit New Life, I had the privilege of being welcomed at the door by people who knew me and knew Sophia and welcomed us by name. And so I feel like a friend to many people in this room and in this community. And I hope if we're not already friends as the sole extroverted member of my family, I'll be downstairs and I would love to become your friend. So uh, come and talk to me and, and let's, let's continue this connection together. Um, I'm really excited to tell you about John the Baptist and the gifts that John the Baptist gives and brings to us this Christmas. But before we do, I just wanna take a minute to acknowledge a lesser known holiday that happens to be today. Now I see the look in some of your eyes, you're like, well of course today's a holiday. France and Argentina are facing off in the World Cup. Um, and that is special, but it's not the holiday that I had in mind. Um, Today is actually International Migrants' Day. And uh, it's been International Migrants' Day every December 18th since 1990. Uh, a migrant is just someone who is the citizen of one country who works in another country. That work can be white collar, that work can be blue collar, that work can be no collar. It doesn't matter what color shirt you're wearing. If you work in one country, but you're the citizen of another country, you're a migrant. And in, uh, in 2019, there were 168 uh, million excuse me, migrant workers across the world. That's about 5% of the global workforce. Here's why this is important to me. It's important to me because I know what it's like to live and work in a different country. It's important to me because my father's family, is, has, migrant work is a part of their story, uh, French-Canadian story. It's important to me because migrant work is a part of my wife Sophia's Filipino-American uh, story. And I suspect I'm not alone, and I suspect that we're not alone in this room, uh, that there's many of us in this room whose lives have been impacted by the migrant story. And so if you're here, and you're a migrant, or you're the daughter of a migrant, or you're the son of a migrant, or you're the grandson of a migrant, or you just love people who are connected to the migrant experience, I want you to know this morning that God sees you, that God knows, and you matter to him. And so if you are willing to join me, would you raise your hands as I pray this prayer just to mark this time? God who revealed yourself to Abraham, to Sarah, to Hagar, to Moses, to Naomi and Ezekiel and Esther and many, many more along the migrants' journey. Come near to your people who cross borders and cultures in search of work. Be their companion, provider, protector, and advocate. Lead them to safe places of connection and to community. And let your church be a place of welcome and witness and healing and hope for the sake of the world. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the last Sunday in Advent. 
Uh, Advent, as you know, means waiting. Uh, Excuse me, no it doesn't. Waiting is what we do in Advent. Advent actually means arrival. I got that twisted. Um, Advent means arrival, but, but we spend a lot of time in Advent waiting, don't we? We wait for, to celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. We wait for a just world. We wait for a peaceable world. We wait for reconciliation to happen. We wait, as the Bible says, for the glory of God to be revealed and to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we do a lot of waiting. And at Advent, part of what we discover is that we don't wait alone. And that's why here at New Life, we've been in this series Uh, reflecting together on stories of God's surprising presence. As we wait, we are filled, we're aware of stories of God's surprising presence, even as we wait together. And so today, we're going to talk about the gifts of John the Baptist. I want to read from Matthew chapter 3, just the first three verses of Matthew chapter 3. It says this, In those days... John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. Now, uh, I'll be honest, I feel a little bit weird, it feels a little weird to talk about John the Baptist the weekend, the weekend before Christmas. Like, this is, the, this is the weekend that my family usually watches the Christmas movie Elf. Anybody else watch Elf? Anybody else love Elf? Okay, a couple of us love Elf. All right, uh, that's great. So I was thinking, like, how do you contrast Buddy the Elf and John the Baptist, right? So, so, so Buddy the Elf wears really comfortable, like, elfy clothes. John the Baptist wears really uncomfortable clothes on purpose. Uh, Buddy the Elf eats candy. John the Baptist eats bugs. Buddy the Elf is from the North Pole. John the Baptist, like, acts like he's from Brooklyn. (laughs) I'm just kidding, I love Brooklyn. but uh, despite the fact that, that John seems a little off-brand for this time of year, I think John has really important gifts for us. And here's the gifts that I think John brings. John brings an announcement of the kingdom of God. John brings us the waters of repentance. And John brings us the fire of the Spirit. And so John's gifts are kingdom water, and fire. And so let's talk about them this morning. Uh, It says, in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, the kingdom, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is come near. Now you'll see there's two parts of John's announcement. The first part is repent, which we'll come back to in a minute. But the second part is why we repent. It's what motivates our repentance. It's what focuses our repentance. It's what energizes our repentance. And that reason is because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or as the King James would say, the kingdom of heaven is at 
hand. Now, uh, I think we need to talk about this a little bit because uh, John, what John does not have in mind when he says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John is not envisioning that place that we think of as the place that we go when we die like from the toilet paper commercials with the angels and the fluffy clouds and the harps and, and maybe they, that's not what John has in mind when he says repent for the kingdom of God has come near or is at hand what John means when John when John says the kingdom of God is at hand what John means is that the reign and rule of God has come to earth. I'm going to say that again. John means that the reign and rule of God has come to earth. And because the reign and rule of God has come to earth, then we're summoned to a whole new way of life. And that's what he's thinking about. There's, there's an urgency uh, uh, to John's message. Now, Jewish people in John's time, they were divided. They were deeply divided about how to live. Some of and their hands were full. Some of them were, their hands were full fighting the Roman occupiers. And some of their hands were full fleeing to the desert and reading their books. And some of their hands were full, uh, just trying to maintain and focus on their own ritual purity. And some of their hands were full, fleecing the system to make as much money as possible. Some of us can relate to that. But when John, John comes to his people, what John says is, it cuts across all of those different ways to live. He cuts across all of that and he says, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because God's kingdom is at hand, take your hands off other kingdoms. I'll say that again. Because God's kingdom is at hand, take your hands off other kingdoms. There's an intensity to John's announcement. There's an intensity to John's personality. It reminds me a little bit of the movie Elf. Do you guys know the scene, Elf, when he's in the department store and they make an announcement that the next day Santa's going to come to the toy store, the t- toy area, and there's like, and 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 Will Ferrell kind of freaks out a little bit. He's like, Santa, Santa's coming, Santa, I know him. You know, there's a, that kind of energy. John is full of that same kind of intensity, that same kind of energy, that same kind of focus. John is 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 energized. And he's got that passion. It's all focused on God's kingdom. The reign and rule of God is actually at hand right now. The reign and rule of God is here and available and and coming right now. And so let's, let's think together a little bit. What does the reign and rule of God look like? Like how would you recognize the reign and rule of God if it was to show up in our midst? I've been really helped by a Bible teacher named Marty Solomon who is a Jewish believer, and he's, he's kind of mapped out how to read the Old Testament in particular in light of the kingdom of God. It's really helped me. So uh, he says you should read the, the Old Testament as the tale of two kingdoms, the tale of empire and the tale of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of empire and the kingdom of God. And this is what he says. It's been really helpful. He says the kingdom of empire is all about self-protection. It's all about protecting ourselves, but the kingdom of God is all about self-giving. 
He says the kingdom of empire is all about acquiring more stuff, but the kingdom of God is all about sharing. He says the kingdom of God is all about amassing wealth, but the kingdom of uh, the kingdom of empire, excuse me, is all about amassing wealth, but the kingdom of God is all about creating wealth for the community. He says the kingdom of empire is about rigid roles, but the kingdom of God is about restored and reconciled relationships. He says the kingdom of empire is about hoarding resources, but the kingdom of God is about responsible stewardship. He says the kingdom of empire is about striving. I think some of us can relate to striving, can you? The kingdom of God is, the kingdom of empire is about striving, but the kingdom of God is about Sabbath. He says the kingdom of empire is about human desire. He said, but the kingdom of God is about human flourishing. He says the kingdom of empire turns people into tools, into things, into cogs in a machine. He said, but the kingdom of God makes tools to serve people. It says the kingdom of empire is never satisfied, but the kingdom of God, I love this, knows when to say enough. So the kingdom of, God, of the empire worships itself, but the kingdom of God worships its creator. And what John is saying, he's saying this list right here, this way, God's way, God's kingdom, it's at hand, it is available, it is here, it's here now. And so it summons us to change. Recently, I was, I was invited to a big project at work, and it was exhilarating. I mean, we canceled other work, we had two weeks to deliver this product, uh, this project, and we, we canceled other work, we worked long hours, we got really into it, and we delivered on that two-week deadline something I thought was amazing, if I do say so myself. But I thought it was really good. And as soon as we delivered it, just a couple of days later, uh, I got the call that the project was changing direction. And all that hard work that we did, we didn't need it anymore. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but I was frustrated. I was angry. And I was having a hard time getting over it. Have you ever experienced that? You're like frustrated and you're angry and you're having a hard time getting over it. And I was sitting right there a couple weeks ago and Pastor Rich was up here and he was doing his thing and he was preaching. And he said, I'm not going to quote him exactly right. He said, the temptation that we all have is that we, we, the temptation is to believe that if I have more, then I am more. And I was sitting in that chair, and I was like, shut up, Rich. <laughs> because Rich was naming exactly what was going on inside of my heart. See, the kingdom of the empire had gotten its claws and its hands around my heart. And it said, you know, if I have this big project, if I have more, then I am more. And I actually needed Rich to say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Take your hands off other kingdoms so you can receive it. Let me ask you a question. Which of these kingdoms do you live in? Now, I know that's an easy question because we're New Yorkers and we literally live in the Empire State. <laughs> and because we live in the Empire State, we are often in a New York state of mind. And the truth is, we need each other. 
to help us live the kingdom of God in the Empire State. You know, when we slow down for loving union with God, we live the kingdom. When we give generously, trusting in God, we live the kingdom. When we forgive one another, we live the kingdom. When we learn how to love well, we live the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is at hand. What are your hands full of? The kingdom of God is at hand. Can you open your hands to receive it? So that's the first gift John gives us is the, the announcement of the kingdom, but the second gift he gives us is the water of repentance. To repent means to change one's mind and turn back to God. And uh, in the Bible, and in the way of Jesus, repentance is a good thing. I'm going to say that again. In the Bible, and in the way of Jesus, repentance is a good thing. To repent simply means I acknowledge I've been walking in the wrong direction, and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk towards God and with God and, and in the right direction, so help me God. Now, I notice that a lot of us, a number of us, have, have trouble believing that repentance is a good thing. And I get it. I really do. Some of us have been exposed, maybe even from a young age, to preaching and, 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 and ideas and to the message, the message you got that you, was that you are full of impurities. You are disgusting, despicable, and, and dark. And there's, there is, God is, and, and, you're, and God is ashamed of you. God is mad at you. God doesn't like you. God is going to punish you. God would delight to punish you, so you better repent. And if that's the message that you got, I want you to hear the heart of God. Hear from Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verse 15. It says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Hear the heart of God. God isn't mad at you. God isn't disgusted by you. God isn't, God isn't looking to judge you. There's another place in Scripture that says, I take no delight in punishing evil. God, God's posture towards you is Come and repent. Come turn back to me. Change your mind. Change your direction so that you can have life and refreshing and, and grace. Repentance isn't meant to terrify you. It's meant to renew us. It's meant to refresh us. It's meant to change us. And John introduces us to a baptism of repentance to make this concept, to make this, this theme of repentance even more beautiful. Here's how. In John's day, there were two groups that were practicing baptism. There, were, there was Pharisee baptism and there was Essene baptism. 
And the Pharisee baptism was, was a baptism that was focused around uh, ritual purity, ritual cleanliness. And it was, it was it, so when a Pharisee uh, was about to eat, they would dip their hands in, in water and they would wash because they wanted to be ritually reoriented to God. When they came in from the market, they would wash so they could be ritually reoriented to God. When they, when they were about to study the Torah, they would wash and so they could be ritually reoriented to God. And um, Jesus had some things to say, some critiques to offer to Pharisee baptism. But I want you to know what Jesus doesn't criticize. Je- Jesus doesn't say ritual is wrong. Ritual is good. Ritual is great. I mean, if you're here on Sunday or you're watching, on, you tune in on Sunday every week, you're a part of a ritual. You're practicing a ritual. Ritual is fine. Ritual does help reorient us to God, but that's not what John the Baptist is offering here. The other group of people who were practicing baptism in, in John's day was a group called the Essenes. Now, the Essenes was this group of really intensely devoted, mostly priests, mostly men, who, who retreated to the wilderness so they could live this intensely devoted, focused life around studying the way of God. And what they would do is anytime they found the, anytime they read the word, the word, the, the name for God in their passage, they would recognize their sinful tendency to repent and they would fully immerse themselves in, uh, in the baptism and they would say, I've been walking the wrong way, I wanna get on the path, I, I totally immerse myself And the reason that they would do that is to say, I'm bringing all of myself to God. I'm returning, I'm repenting with all of myself, all of my being, all of my energy, all of my life, fully immersed, fully devoted to God. That's really beautiful, but there's a problem with it. Uh, It's a little, the only people who had access to this baptism of repentance and immersion in those days were the super radical, intense priests out in the wilderness. It's a little bit like, uh, I'll I'll nerd alert myself here, it's a little bit like vibranium or the the heart-shaped herb from Wakanda, right? Really powerful, but very small people have access to it, right? Now notice what John does. John takes... This baptism, this immersion, this full coming to God, this turning your heart and life over to God, he takes that and he brings it to the people. Why does John do that? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And if the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is for the people of God. And so you take the the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is at hand, everybody come to the waters and be restored and be renewed and be rejuvenated and repent and turn to God and walk anew. And that's what John is offering to the people. I remember I was about 19 years old and I was full of shame from a broken family and, and some pretty bad decisions I'd made. And I remember Martin looking at me and saying, God doesn't look at you as you have been. God sees you as you are, and he sees what you can become in his love for you. And when Martin said that to me, it was like, it was like his words reached into my soul and grabbed something and pulled it out of me. There was a desire and a longing for life with God, and there was a pounding in my chest and a desire for life with God, 
and, and turning and, and acknowledging that and turning to God was a joy. It was a joy. It was a delight. It was a joy then, and it's a joy now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Turn back to God and live. John's third gift is the fire of the Spirit. Matthew describes John in the words of Isaiah 40. He says, he is a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, do you remember we were talking about the Essenes a few minutes ago? Well, the Essenes, uh, they were this group of intensely devoted priests that had gone out into the wilderness about 150 years before John. And they were so devoted to knowing the text, to knowing the path of God, and walking the path of God, that they believed if they knew the text and they walked the text, that God would show up. In fact, their favorite verse to describe themselves as a community was this verse from Isaiah 40. If you ask the Essenes who they were, they would say, we are the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Why? Because they wanted to walk the path, know the path, and walk the path. And so I want us to enter into that in our imagination, to enter into their longing for just a minute. You're an Essene, you imagine, okay, I know I'm knowing the path. I've walked the path. God will show up. 150 years. Know the path. Walk the path. God will show up. We believe it. We believe it. Know the path. Walk the path, and then suddenly, out in the wilderness, John is filled with the power and fire of God and shows up announcing to all the people, the kingdom of God is at hand. I know the kingdom of God is at hand because the king is here. John says of himself, he takes all that fire, all that Holy Spirit fire that's within him, and he points it at Jesus. He says, I am not worthy to untie his shoes. Because it's not me, but it's Jesus who is the one who will bring the kingdom. It is Jesus who is the one who will open the eyes of the blind. It is Jesus who is the one that will unstop the ears of the deaf. It is Jesus who is the one who will make the lame man walk. It is Jesus who will make the silent people talk. It is Jesus who will actually bring about the transformation of the kingdom of God. It is Jesus who will overcome darkness. It is Jesus who will bring light. It is Jesus who will stretch his own flesh between heaven and earth to reconcile earth and heaven. And Jesus is the one, he has life in himself to give to anybody who comes to him. Now, John had a pretty unique ministry. And because of that, it's easy for us to look at John and say, you know, you know, that was then, (laughs) right? John announced the kingdom, he baptized in water, he was full of fire. That was for the first century gets John the Baptist. You know, the, the, the 22nd century gets, or our century gets Buddy the Elf, right? That was then, this is now. But here's the thing. I think if John was here, John would ask us, is the kingdom of God still at hand? Is Jesus still king? Is the way of God still available to ordinary people? 
Is it possible that any one of you have actually fallen off the path, walked in the wrong direction, and needs to turn back to God? Is that true? And if the answer to any of those questions was yes, then I think John would be filled with the fire of God, and he would look at you, and he would say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom of God is at hand here in Queens. The kingdom of God is at hand here in our community. Let me make this practical for us. I suspect that many in this room have our hands full of the priorities and projects of this world. We're so busy in this season, got so much to plan and so much to produce and so much to acquire. Our hands are full. The kingdom of God is at hand. Can, you, can we empty our hands to receive it? And, and, and here's the best way to do that. Just like I needed Rich to look at me and tell me another way is possible, the kingdom is here, we need each other. The best way we, we learn to unclench our hands and receive the kingdom of God is in community with one another. Are you a part of a small group community here at New Life? If you're not a part of a community where you can be known and seen and loved and valued and share and, and ask for help getting, living the kingdom of God, then would today, would you be willing to join a community where you can be seen and known and loved and you can get help to live the kingdom? If you are a part of a small group community, is there somebody in your group who you can, you can share honestly with? You can say, hey, I, I need help. I need help living the kingdom in this way. My hands are full. Would you help me? Would you help me make time to pray? Would you help me make time to forgive? Would you help me make time to be generous? Would you help me make time to love? Would you you help me? And And then similarly, would you offer help to someone in your group, in your community? Offer help. Say, can I help you live the kingdom in some meaningful way? Secondly, There are some of us in this room, there's some of us watching online, and you know you need to repent. You know you've been walking the wrong way. I'm not here to to, to, to create guilt or incite feelings of guilt or shame or anxiety. No, no. You know you've been walking the wrong way. You've been walking in ways that that lead to frustration and fatigue and anxiety and stress and, and bitterness, and you've been walking this way, and the invitation for you is to repent, to turn towards God and receive God's love for you, to receive God's washing of you, to receive God's renewal. Repentance is not a burden. It's not a bad thing, it's a joy. Sisters, brothers, if you are walking the wrong way, repent. Turn to God. Turn to the one who has already stretched his own flesh between heaven and earth. What more could Jesus offer you but all of himself? And he wants to know you and he wants to walk with you and he wants you to turn to him and he wants you to have life. And so come and repent. Lastly, I want to talk to young people in particular. Um, Maybe there's some people who are young at heart. So... (laughs) But I believe that some of you 
need a word of encouragement and exhortation around an inner fire. That God has placed within you a fire to know God. And maybe you're a young person, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in middle school, maybe you're in college, and you have a fire for the holiness of God, and you're like, that makes me weird. And I want to tell you, I want to exhort you, I want to challenge you, that doesn't make you weird. That means you're beloved of God, and God is generous to you, and he's giving you something that not only you need, but we need. God, we need your fire. I was interacting with a young person recently who, who, who looked at a certain situation, saw ungodliness, and there was fire in his bones about it. And he, he felt like he had to tamp it down. And I wanted to, I wanted to say, no, don't, you don't have to tamp down your fire. You need to discipline it. You need to learn to love. You need to mature. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about just being honest about the fire of God in you. And if you, have, if you have the gift of fire in your bones, a passion to know God, a passion to live with God, a passion to see other people know God, I want you to know you are not too small to live a big life with God. You are not too young to live a big life with God. You're not too old to live a big life with God either. The Lord is here. The kingdom is here. Repent the kingdom of God is at hand and receive the love and fire of God. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Gracious God, thank you for the ministry and the gifts of John the Baptist. Thank you that your arms of love are outstretched towards us. You have stretched yourself between heaven and earth and you've stretched out your arms on the cross because you want us to come within the arms of your saving embrace. Help us, Lord, to open our hands, to turn to you, and to receive all that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. There. Oh, 
As we close our service this morning, uh, I just want to bring us back to that one slide that Jason showed us about the ways of the world and the ways of the kingdom. And I know he already gave us a pause about what area might be standing out to you, but I just want us to take in the spirit of silence just another 30 seconds. How is God coming to you this morning? How is he speaking to you? What areas of the ways of the empire are you living out your life right now? Let's just take a short moment just to reflect. I think for me, when I look at that column, I just relate to so many of the different points and the follow-up question I have for myself is, why, why do I follow these ways? Why do I live this way? Um, and a lot of my response is, it's because I don't trust God. I don't trust God to take care of me. And I wonder if that's the case for you. What is the reason below the surface? God has already told us that he will take care of us, that he will provide for us, that he will take care of us, that he loves us. I remember many, many years ago when I first came to New Life, Pastor Pete was closing service up here and he said this one phrase that I'll never forget. He just said, surrender to the love of God. And oftentimes before that, I thought I have to surrender to his will. I have to surrender to his authority, which is all true. But also he's calling us to surrender to his love. And so how do we need to connect to God's love this morning and as we go through the rest of the season of Advent? And so as we think about that, I want to invite the prayer team to come forward to my right. And there'll be people here just to pray with you. If God is speaking to you in a certain way, if the Spirit is coming to you in a certain way this morning, speaking to you about something um, that Jason spoke about, we want to invite you to come up, receive prayer. Maybe you're going through something, something's happening in your life, and you just need someone um, to pray with you, to intercede for you. And so we want to invite you to come for prayer. And then maybe this morning, um, 
this, this Jesus is the first time that you've heard of him. Or maybe it's your 10th time hearing about him or t- your 20th time. I find often that I need to say yes to Jesus every day myself. Um, and so if that invitation is on your heart right now, if God is speaking to you, we wanna invite you to come forward for prayer as well. Or you can text yes to Jesus to 718-424-0122 and one of our pastors will reach out and speak with you. There's so many ways that God um, speaks and we just kind of miss him in this season because of all the chaos and the busyness. And so my prayer for us is that we would be able to pause and just ponder, reflect, and just enjoy what he has for us in this season. After service is over, we'll have our sermon discussion. Um, There'll be about 30 minutes where one of our pastors will lead us uh, through a discussion about what was spoken in the sermon. So uh, if you're online, there are links where you can click to join that. And I want to invite you to just open up your hands as we close. I'll say a blessing for us. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. As you walk out of this gathering, may you be empowered by the spirit to reflect all that he has given us out in the world. I bless you all in the name of our wonderful and mighty savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone.